Welcome to the Career Planning and Professional Development podcast. Just a quick question. I am your host, Randolph Relaford, Assistant Dean for Career Planning. I'm Marlene DeJuice, the Recruitment Coordinator. And I'm Courtney Jones, the Assistant Director of Career Planning. So today's topic is professionalism. Uh, professionalism is a subject that gets brought up often in the world of legal education and the world of lawyers. Uh, the definition for professionalism is conduct, aims, or qualities that characterize or mark a profession or professional person. Uh, with that being said, we have a few questions that we think you might ask us or somebody in the legal community might ask when it's uh, concerning this topic. So I believe Ms. DeJuice has our first question. To start us off, let's talk about some behaviors that are considered unprofessional for a law student. Okay, so where I like to start this conversation off is the fact that professional conduct for lawyers is oftentimes uh, regulated or at least discussed by your state bar uh, organization. Um, it is certainly regulated by uh, by the, the Supreme Court, usually in each in each state. For me, that's a good starting point because if you can model the behaviors that um, attorneys are supposed to model, uh, then I think you'll kind of come out with what a good way of thinking about professionalism is related to your law school journey. So for example, um, the Orange County Bar Association has its standards of professional courtesy. And I think for a law student, you know, reading that. So going to Orange County Bar's website and looking up their standards of professional courtesy, I think is a really good starting point for understanding what's required of the attorneys, right? And then trying to model that for, um, for your life. So for example, uh, one, of the, one of the standards of professional courtesy is that attorneys should refrain from disrespectful and disruptive behavior towards the court and likewise refrain from rude and offensive behavior towards opposing counsel, parties, and witnesses, right? One, the way I take that as a lawyer is like, hey, it is uh, required that I not be disrespectful or disruptive towards the court um, and not be rude uh, or offensive to opposing counsel, parties, and witnesses. When I extrapolate that to the law school setting, I think it still replies, right? Like, don't be, you should not be disrespectful or disruptive to your classes, to your colleagues, uh, to the professors. Refrain from rude or offensive behavior towards each other and towards the people that you come in regular contact with. Um, and the second point that I wanna bring up related to um, attorney standards for professional conduct and even you know what you would consider to be a student is that you're supposed to be professional in the public's eyes all the time, right? So. For me, that means that not only do I have to carry on as a professional when I'm in the building on Beggs Avenue, uh, but also in the parking lot, right? Also, you know, if I'm in a normal world where I'm able to go to to Popeye's Chicken again up the road, right? Like that, I'm I'm back to being a professional even uh, while I'm waiting in the in the line at Popeye's. Um, so, you know, to me, the 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 mark of a true professional is that it carries on from from not only in the classroom or in the courtroom, but it extends beyond that. Ms. Jones, what do you think? 
So I definitely agree, but I think even beyond that, that our students always need to remember um, that unprofessional conduct can happen online as well. So the things that you post, the interactions that you have with the legal community, um, when you're in these different rooms, um, breakout rooms or what have you, bickering and arguing about current events, having rude, strong, or offensive language, um, you know, you're only a screenshot away um, from an ethical violation, right? Um, so I think that these are all things that you really have to take into consideration. You can definitely um, have your thoughts and have your opinions um, without having to defend them, right, to a future employer um, or to your dean or even to your current employer. Um, just being mindful of what you're doing and, and what's being recorded. I think um, Dean Relaford and Mr. Juice, uh, we, we were all in, in a great time that social media really kind of wasn't a thing when we were in school. So we didn't have a lot to worry about. We didn't have mm -hmm. to worry about being at Ember on Friday and it being online on Friday. Um, right. So I think that these are some things that you really kind of want to take into consideration um, as a law student and also as a young attorney, because uh, you'll pass the bar before you know it. And um, you really want to have a great reputation once you get there. True story. So quick, uh, quick personal vignette. I think it was like my last week in law school where Tom from MySpace was trying to get people to join MySpace, right? Like it was that long ago that I graduated. And I remember putting up a picture of me on MySpace in a, a black and white picture of me in a gray suit, right? Like that was my first online uh, social networking presence. But it was like, it was, ooh, it was 05, right? Like, so it wasn't even really a, a thing then. And I didn't have to worry about, uh, you know, make the things that, that we did during the week, making it to, um, making it to uh, the online world. I also, um, when I was very young, um, kind of got this piece of advice, like, don't do anything right now that you in 10 years has to explain to people. Mm -hmm. Right. And I kind of use that as a rule of thumb for me, because it's like what, you know, one, I wouldn't want to have to explain it to my mom. And then I also wouldn't have to want to explain for what, you know, uh, Randy Rella for 10 years ago did, you know, certainly um, try to try to remember that and, and keep that in the back of my in the back of my head. That way, you know, the the burden I place on myself years from now to remember what I was thinking at the exact moment that I posted something is low, right? Because I'm I'm only going to post stuff that I don't think Randy 10 years from now would be cool with telling people like, yeah, I said that I did it and still stand by it. And I'm willing to lose a job or, uh, you know, I'm willing to defend it, right? So that being said, I'm sure there's a couple things out there where I'd be like, really, Randy, 10 years ago, you said that? Like, did you... Ah, but anyway, that's, those are my thoughts. Yeah, I, th I th think you guys touched on actually our next question already, which is just um, how to conduct yourself in an online space. And in the world of social media, you all talked about it. Um, but what do you guys think about having like a private versus public account? So, so say maybe I wanted to create a student wants to create a um, you know, professional social media page, something, you know, outside of LinkedIn, which is definitely professional, but say I wanted to create a professional Twitter account or a professional Facebook and that, you know, specifically use that during my time in law school. And then also having a personal account that I could use to 
you know, when I want to rant or vent or post about whatever <laughs> comes to mind. What do you guys think about that? So quickly for me, uh, I'm a fan, right? But I'm also still going to use that guiding principle of don't write anything in the social media space that you don't want to explain to people or your mom, mm-hmm. right? Like even because it, regardless of the restrictions you put on your account, uh, you're only one Twitter policy away from whatever that thing was becoming uh, public or Facebook or you know, them changing one privacy setting or two privacy settings and the thing that you were worried about um, actually reaching a broader, a broader audience. Um, But, you know, I, I personally have one Facebook account. I personally have one Twitter account. Um, I have had uh, work related Facebook accounts before at different law schools. And it's not that I don't see the need in them because I think that they, they exist for a reason. I mean, it's certainly easier for me to interact with uh, with with students from or lawyers from a Facebook account, but uh, I'm going to keep my my genuine accounts as uh, vanilla is the wrong word, right? But as 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 comfortable as I am with the world finding out my view on topic X and guide the guiding principle of like I don't want to have to explain anything to my mom and I don't want to have to uh, have uh, you know 53 year old Randolph Relaford explain something for 43 year old Randolph Relaford so that's uh, you know that's my story and I'm sticking to it (laughs) Ms. Jones um so I think that a private account and a public account is actually a great idea. Um, I do think that the legal profession is one that is still um, uber conservative. And so if you work at a large firm, um, maybe not as diverse, um, and you're dealing with a lot of um, stuffy topics all the time, I can understand if you don't feel comfortable with um, them knowing your views on on world events and other things that you hold dear. But I do feel very strongly that you should still have an outlet, right? With that being said, I still think it needs to be super tactful um, because if it still, you know, comes down to a screenshot that one of your coworkers just happened to see, um, like Dean Relaford said, you forgot a privacy setting or one changed up on you overnight and now people have access to your thoughts um, that you didn't expect, you still don't really want to have to explain anything that might be disrespectful, right. um, you know, or, or you know, that you posted in bad taste. Um, uh, Dean Relford, actually, Dean Relford might get this also, but JT, she's one of the biggest rappers in the world. Most people know what a city girl is. Um, They know that she's had kind of a salacious past, but she's now had to defend her thoughts from when she was like 15 or 16 years old working at McDonald's before she was a a mega millionaire and a super celebrity, Um, even to the point where I think she shut her Twitter down for a little while. Um, And so I think now in the place that you all are as one L's, as two L's, as three L's, as interns, you don't see you know, that you could be working for the Cochrane firm or that, that you could be up for a judicial appointment, right? But it's there. You have that greatness inside of you. Um, so you do not want your strong opinions today um, to affect that possible tomorrow. I definitely agree. I think that's really great advice. I do, you know, support, you know, if you want to separate your your professional life from your private life, I do think that is 
having two separate accounts is a, you know, really great way to do that. Cause there are sometimes, you know, we have colleagues and people we work with who want to follow us on social media, but we don't necessarily want them to see some aspects of our personal life. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it's bad aspects. It's just, sometimes you just don't want people to have that much information about you and who you are. And so if you do want to create some boundaries, which are healthy, a thing to have, um, having like a professional account that like, hey, your colleagues can follow you on or, you know, you can use when you're communicating with like employers or maybe that, you know, you're thinking of future you wants to become a business owner. Like it's fine to have something like that because you're creating your public, you know, your public persona as this um, person and, you know, part of your brand. And so I think having, you know, private or public um, accounts and, you know, having that separation is perfectly okay. But as Ms. Jones and Dean Relford mentioned, definitely want to be tactful, definitely want to be respectful, whatever platform you're using, however you choose to use it, still be um, respectful and, you know, conduct yourself in still a professional manner and not have to defend anything. Uh, when, you know, when you someday have to be appointed, you know, being appointed to office or someday, you know, an employer's interviewing you and they, or, you know, they want to offer you a position, they've done this research and now they've found links or they found certain things that you mm -hmm. said and that now that you know makes them really uncomfortable um or a colleague finds some stuff that you said on a social mm -hmm. media platform and you just don't want to create any type of um tension or friction with your professional relationship so definitely um, support that um how do you guys feel about like students following professors or staff or other you know professionals on platforms other than LinkedIn? Because we know LinkedIn is great for networking and for developing professional relationships. But what if I want to follow my professor, her Twitter account? Or what if I want to follow friend request my, uh, my amazing uh, career services <laughs> director on, um, on Facebook or, you know, some other platform? I, look, I'm, I'm cool with it. Uh, for the most part, right? Like, I, I think, you know, you, you have to, uh, like, my personal belief is that I'd rather be friends with someone after they've graduated, but, I, you know, I'm comfortable with it because I, I can't always remember who's a 3L and who's a recent grad, right? So I, there's been times where I'm sure I have accepted a friend request from a current student. But like I said, my Facebook page is pretty, you're not going to get anything. I mean, just, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, my Facebook page is my Facebook page. You're going to see that I like my family and I like my faith. That's, that's pretty much it. Every now and then one of my, one of my, um, my undergrad frat brothers will tag me in something, but you also probably know by now that I'm an alpha. So like there's, there's not much, out there that like is on Facebook for me that I'd be that I'd be overly concerned with. But by the same token, uh, you also have to be comfortable with if I sent somebody a friend request and they didn't accept it, right? Like you also have to be comfortable that uh, people may not want to accept friend requests from their colleagues or from their students or from 
you know, someone that they have to come in professional contact with and you have to be okay with it, right? Like you can't yeah. use it as a, this person doesn't like me. It's like, no, it's nothing. It's probably nothing personal to you. It could be, but like probably not personal to you and just that person's space. So I'm a fan of it. I just say you, you can't be offended if the person doesn't friend you back, right? Or accept the accept the request because it's, it's probably not going to be about you. It's probably going to be about, um, the, you know, kind of keeping that, keeping that wall up. Like, and that, that I hope that the, the distinction that we're making between, um, you know, having the public and private accounts and then making the requests is, is clear, right? Like for me, I'm going to be professional, um, to the outfacing world. So I don't care. You, know, you can friend request me, you can follow me on Twitter, you can do like, and it's just not going to make that big a difference. But on the other side, if I inadvertently delete a friend request or don't accept the friend request, it's nothing personal from me to the person. It's just uh, I'm trying to monitor somehow the outside audience to my my thoughts. But even then, I still believe that at the end of the day, whatever thoughts I put out there are out there and I can't escape them. So before I play something, I still have to have that filter on, do I want the whole world to talk about this uh, or does does Randy ten years from now want to answer the question for what Randy wrote today? I definitely think it's easier to follow professors um, as an alumni. Uh, I just do. It, it's a personal choice. Um, I, I think it was easier as a colleague, right? I'm not your student anymore. You're not my professor anymore. So if I have certain views, I don't have to worry about um, like an implicit bias that you might have because of that and vice versa, right? If you have strong views about something that I never knew about, I'm not in class, you know, kind of looking at you a bit different. Um, and also it's a great way to find commonalities. Uh, my torts professor was really, really great at health law. Um, so I was able to ask her questions as a colleague, um, after we added each other onto Facebook. And like Dane Relaford said, I really don't know if she would have accepted me when I was her student. Um, there are some people that have very strong views and they might not always want you to see that. Um, so I, I definitely think that it's okay, um, but I, I would go into it with a bit of caution. And, and honestly, we're not that interesting if you really want to know. Hey, can I add <laughs> You, you, you know I'm a co-sign that. I'm not that interested. <laughs> We're really regular. A lot of us yeah. are really nerdy. Uh, I think uh, in 2018, a majority of my posts were about Bob's Burgers and Avengers, maybe. Uh, I'm sorry, I just don't have much. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I talk about books. So if you, <laughs> unless you're into books, like you're not really going to find anything interesting on my social media. <laughs> Students, one thing I would stay away from is giving your legal opinion, right? One, because you're not a lawyer yet, but like your legal opinion or legal analysis stuff online, I would definitely stay away from, from doing that. In fact, I'd stay away from doing that um, on the other line, unless you are trying to do it for your law firm or your, because there's, there's ways to do it where you don't, uh, where you don't create the appearance that you're representing somebody and that you don't uh, engage in the unauthorized practice of law as a as a student, but I, I would stay away from that. Again, the professionalism slash ethics concern with online posting. Okay, so 
I have a question for both of you. What professionalism issues arise or do you see arising in emails? Um, so much. There's a lot that could happen via email because um, for starters, it's really difficult to convey tone via email or to read tone via email. And so I think there are some times where you could send a well-meaning email, but it's not interpreted that way by the person. Um, so there is a lot of miscommunication that could happen, um, even if you felt like you clearly expressed yourself. Um, so I think it's helpful to, uh, when you're responding or sending any email to like, make sure you read over it, make sure, you know, you give it a little, some thought if you need to take a few minutes to step away from the email and come back to it or to ask um, for some input from someone else that you trust um, just to see how it sounds to another person. I would definitely recommend doing something like that, especially if it's a very important email to, um, to someone who you'd like to mentor you someday or someone who, you know, you've not formally met and this is like an introduction to them. Um, and, you know, a lot of the people that you'll be communicating with or meeting in the legal community, you may not have any type of rapport with them. And so, especially during this time in COVID, you're not seeing people face to face and most of the communication will happen virtually. Um, you definitely want to be mindful of the types of emails you're sending being a bit more formal than informal until you've developed some sort of rapport um, with the person. So absolutely. I think that a, a number of issues can arise, like you said, because you're not able, um, you're not able to really get a tone, the tone of the person and a message. So that could lead to um, a lot of confusion. I'm not sure if you're joking. I'm not sure if you're serious. Um, and when I have questions like that, I might bring those into a professional setting as well. If I don't detect a serious note from them, then how can I know that they're going to finish this complaint or help me with this event? Um, and so now I have doubts as to who you are as a person. Um, and with respect to like work and things of that nature, um, it could cause like to delays because now I have to call another person and say, oh, you know, did you get that email? What did you think about it? Um, and so instead of just focusing on our work, I now have to focus on you as a person, as a worker, you know, your attitude and your morale. Um, and it's really, really hard. There's so much trust involved when um, there's virtual learning, especially with respect to a business. And as a business owner, you never want to, to have for a person to have doubts about you. Uh, for me, I don't think... Um... I definitely don't think colorful language ages well in emails, right? Like, I don't think uh, uh, whatever anger or ire you're trying to express ages well in an email, right? And I also think that many times you're not going to want to explain that angry email 10 years from now, right? So I, my thing is kind of just slow down on on the all caps, slow down on the um, on the language that expresses just how disappointed or upset you were. And that, this isn't just for students, this is for anybody, right? Like I, I think, you know, there's a way to craft an email that gets your point across without, um, it, without breaching uh, professional protocols, right? Without, um, uh, 
making or trying to make the other person on the receiving end feel small or insuperior to you. Um, the next thing, I, like I think, and I, I see this in email and I don't think it ages well, again, is hyperbole, right? Like uh, X, Y, and Z has happened a million times. It's like, no, no, it's happened three times, right? Like, and if you want to say it's happened three times, say it's happened three times, but like pull the hyperbole out of your, out of your email communications too. And again, not just students, this is just, you know, more aimed at uh, writing and in general. Um, and then, you know, I, I really truly think that um, a professionalism issue I see from, again, this is not just students, this, this happens in more than just students is making my job as the reader more difficult because you didn't want to use punctuation or uh, good grammar in your your email communication. That 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 makes it very tough. And I think again, for me to think of you as a professional, right? And the, the conduct or qualities that characterize a professional, I should see well-written emails come come from you. Yeah, you know, and I, I've been guilty of it myself too. I mean I really try to monitor it, but um, you know, those those two things are really uh, really or three things that are really it for me. So uh, you know, Ms. DeJuice, Ms. Jones, what about uh, professionalism with respect to clothing and um, like attire choices? Well, I think you can never go wrong with a suit. <laughs> you can never go wrong with a suit <laughs> right? if you're True trying story. to make a good first impression. It's better to be overdressed than be underdressed. <laughs> um, so, but I mean, there are certain events and there are certain things that you do that have us uh, you know that have an attire and so I you know be mindful of that or at least try to research that attire and if you can't find any information about you know the expectation for attire just be overdressed <laughs> be overdressed uh, you could you can take off a, a suit blazer or suit jacket but you can't put one on if you didn't wear one at all <laughs> True you story. know, you can't, um, you can take off a tie, you know, but you definitely can't put one on if you show up in your, um, you know, in a hoodie or in a polo shirt, you know, mm -hmm. so I would always just be mindful of the setting that you're going into. And especially considering that um, the field that you're in is very conservative. Um, and so I think I would err on the side of like, let me you know, be professional and either wear business professional attire or professional attire to any and all things, including things that are virtual. Like even though you're interviewing via Zoom or you're meeting with, um, you know, people via Zoom, it I would still wear professional attire. And so it's still a nice blouse, a nice shirt, um, wrinkle free, you know, still keep up with your appearance, appearance, mm -hmm. even though it's um, virtual, because, you know, if you ever have to get up or um, this is the only way that they can make a first impression, you know, get a first impression of you, I would still, um, I would still, you know, focus on that as well. 
Um, so I know that we're we're uh, we have to go over these you know particular topics, and I know attire is super important as a professional. But I would just like to go on the record as to saying, I don't think that FAMU College of Law students have an issue here. Uh, I I feel like when they were in the building with us, they looked amazing every <laughs> single day, and they forced me to step my suit game up. So I would just like to say that on the record. Um, but absolutely, it's much easier to take something off than to put something back on, and you do not want to be the person person that comes in the room and they say, oh yeah, that must be a law student because you're underdressed, right? You want to look exactly like everyone else. Obviously your face is going to be different. Your personality is different, but you want to blend in and you want to look um, as much like your colleagues. You want them to view you as, you know, their colleague. Um, once we get back to in-person events, you also, um, you know, want to watch out for shoes. Um, I know I had like a, a an interview, my first big law interview. Um, after I had passed the bar, I bought some new stilettos and I had not worn them. And it was horrible. I think I took them off until I got there. I, I put them back on in the lobby because they were so uncomfortable. Um, but if I had just tried them on or, you know, kind of worn them around the house, it would have been much, much easier. Um, also smells I know ladies and gentlemen spend hundreds of dollars on perfumes and colognes. Um, but the realism of the situation is that people have allergies. Um, so with, with things like that, with your appearance, with your behaviors, you want to go very, very light because you don't want to meet someone, have a wonderful conversation, and then you see their eyes itching and they start sneezing. Um, so these are just things kind of to remember. Uh, Mr. Juice already reminded you about the iron. Um, but quite honestly, since we're in a virtual situation now, I've been ordering everything from Amazon. And so now I completely rely on my steamer. It's much quicker. I know I'm not going to burn anything. That's and it has my shirts looking amazing. Um, <laughs> So definitely. And if you have a problem with that or, you know, if you have questions, obviously you can ask us. But when I was in law school and as a young attorney, Pinterest was my absolute best friend. Um, I could look at these little boards either and I could just type in law student attire, um, interview attire. Interview attire, I think, probably was one of my absolute favorites. They had mix and matches and they even had like clothing stores and designers that were good for my body shape. Um, so the Internet is already your friend. You guys are already there. Just utilize it as much as possible. Yeah, and I would even, um, to go back, I remember um, one of the things when I would start a new job, I was always like nervous, like, how do I dress for this new job? Like, I have no idea what to wear. And one of the tips that I got from um, someone that I trust was just like, when you go to your interview, you pay attention to what everybody else is wearing. <laughs> You just pay attention to what people wear and like, and that gives you an idea of what the culture is like in that work environment. And so again, law is very conservative. And so like, if you go to an event or you go to visit an employer, whether, you know, you're doing an informational interview or anything that you're doing with an employer, you pay attention to the culture and that gives you an idea of like what the expectation is for dress attire. Um, just as a note for the future. <laughs> I was I was always taught that like you want to be remembered for what you did or what you said, right? And not for what you wore. And I think that's kind of how I try to think about attire. Now I know that there's fashion like people who are fashion experts out there that would disagree with that. But in in the law setting, um, I will tell you that I've I've heard from attorneys, right? Like that a tie was too flashy, right? You get it? Like not the suit, not the whole, just the tie itself, right? So, you know, you're gonna make sure that like, 
for, for me, I have to make sure that the message I deliver is more about what I intend to do or what I did or what I said rather than what I, what I wore. And that's the, the guiding principle for me with respect to professional attire. Um, the other one, and Ms. Jones hit on it, is you got to be comfortable, right? Like the, for me, the jacket's got to fit, one, because it looks better that you have a jacket that fits. But if you ever try to deliver a presentation with a jacket that's too tight for you and it's hugging you in the wrong places, it makes what you're saying even more difficult to say it right? Because it's not, it's not fitting you appropriately, or even, you know, even for the, for, for the guys, the gentlemen out there, right? Like having shoes that are too tight, like that's just going to make the, the rest of the day rough, right? So I, you know, I, I can agree with what Ms. Jones, uh, what Ms. Jones said there. Um, so let's move on um, to social media or move back to social media. Um, does the Florida bar or any other state bars monitor social media of possible applicants? So I'm not sure how much monitoring of social media they do, but you don't want to call from the state bars investigators asking you about something, some post or some dust up that you caused uh, online, right? Like you don't want anything that you did online to um to hamper your uh your ability to become licensed in um in a jurisdiction so i don't know how much they monitor um social media but i do know that anything you put out there could become could become an issue for you or you know the last thing you want is to have a passing test score but you got to wait to get in the bar because um because something you did or something you didn't put in your application is um, is holding you up. So if there are any impediments, I guess, on someone's social media, do you think that it can impact their character and fitness application? Can you read the question, Courtney? Could an applicant's social media impact their character and fitness application? I think anything you do could impact your uh, your character and fitness application, right? And you have to remember that anything that's out there about you, um, you know, one, if it's asked, uh, you got to disclose it. Two, if it's not asked, you might have to explain it. Uh, I mean, you certainly have to, um, you, know, you certainly have to remember that at the end of the day, uh, stuff that you've done in your past could impact your ability to pass the bar from a character and fitness perspective. Um, and, you know, to make sure that whatever it is you've done, um, you can explain. And I, you know, again, um, I didn't have any character and fitness um, issues related to social media because I got licensed in 2005, right? So I can tell you that right now I would be doing a lot of things uh, to, to protect my ability to get into the bar, um, the, like the state bar of whatever that jurisdiction happens to be. 
So what if we have um, a student that's never actually had a real office job or a professional job? They were working as a barista or a bartender. Um, what can they actually do to make sure that their professionalism is up to par? Well, I think there are lots of opportunities. Um, networking is one way to get some practice and professionalism. Um, you can always come and talk to us. <laughs> We'd be happy to like answer any questions you have about um, professionalism or any, you know, any questions you have in general. Um, attend some of our programming because um, we do have uh, workshops and things of that sort that could be helpful for um, that could help answer some of those questions um, that you might have, but you definitely got to get practice in. And so um, go to events that you can, of course, not now <laughs> because because <laughs> COVID, but definitely when the opportunity presents itself, go like go to events and um, in person, go to virtual events that you can and get some practice. Um, I I really, truly think uh, in, in any of these instances that that Google or Bing or some other search engine could be your best friend, right? Because there are plenty of videos out there, YouTube, um, maybe even other platforms uh, where, you know, there will be examples of how to conduct yourself in a professional environment. The other thing that I think is your best friend in this is coming to talk to the, us in the career development space. Like we will talk to you about um, professionalism and answer any questions that you have with respect to how you should carry yourself. Well, we'll certainly try to answer it. Um, and if we can't answer it, we will send you, uh, you know, to other people we think could help you answer that, that professionalism question. Um, I know that I made plenty of professionalism mistakes in my career um, but many times I had a mentor to go to to ask questions about the thing that I was concerned about or, hey, this happened. I did this. What should I do now? Right. So I had good mentors in my life that I've been able to uh, run those things by and they've told me how to behave differently or better um, the next go around. And by behave differently or better, I don't mean like I was out in public like, uh, you know, uh, disrespecting people, right? But I don't think I responded optimally in a situation. And I, I had some good people to say like, yeah, you're right. You should have done X, Y, and Z, do that the next time, or uh, give me practical advice for what to do if that situation presented itself again. That's gonna wrap us up and conclude this episode of Just a Quick Question. Uh, to the extent that you have any questions for us, Feel free to email us. I can be reached at randolph.relaford, R-E-L-I-F is in Frank, O-R-D is in David, at famu.edu. And I can be reached at merlene.dejuice at famu.edu. That's M-E-R-L-I-N-E dot D-I-E-U-J-U-S-T-E at famu.edu. And I can be reached at Courtney, C-O-U-R-T-N-E-Y dot Jones, J-O-N-E-S, the number two at BAMU.edu. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day.